Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Just Another Car Show podcast. I am Bam. We got our boy David Parkhill over here, a.k.a. Russell Hill, a.k.a. the man, the myth, the legend. Tonight, he has made himself a delicious... What do you got over there, man? What are you drinking? Got a, a nice little tequila and LaCroix. <laughs> Don't knock it till Dude. you try it. The 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 beer mug that it's in just astounds me, my dude. <clears throat> All of the regular glasses I had were just a little too small. Okay. And okay. so this is way too big. But that's why it's only half full. Maybe maybe in another special edition. There we go. All the way full, and we'll get there really we go. creative. I myself am going with the Costco wine. Very classy, keeping it classy. You know. Actually, I. Got a big pack of LaCroix sitting right next to my desk, also from Costco. Beautiful, beautiful. We love the way to shop. We love the way to shop. So tonight, we got, we're going to try to hit a few regular things in this podcast for you guys. Obviously, this is the first one, so give us a little bit of grace, a little flexibility. But our main components of this podcast are going to be new car news. Or excuse me. We're going to go over a new car. Then we're going to go over some car news. Then we're going to just kind of divulge into a little bit of a car conversation, keep you guys interested. You know how it is. You know what We know what you like to hear. Or comment so we know what you like to hear. And if you want us to speak about an individual car or anything like that, put it in the comments below. Park will do the research. I will do the BS talking. And we will be here for it. So I think getting into it tonight, my man spent some time out there with a – what did you spend some time out there with, bro? I spent some time behind the wheel of a new Ford Bronco Sport. So, for this segment, we're going to call it My Time Behind the Wheel. Mm. And Oh, I like that. For the segment, My Time Behind the Wheel. My Time Behind the Wheel. And so, to clarify on something that Ben said, it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be a brand new car. I think this is going to be just a car. So, if you guys have some cars that you'd like us to review, we'd love to talk about it. Ben's got a great Miata. We'd love to. Test drove the... RX Supra. What was it? The new Toyota Supra. The new Toyota Supra. Toyota Supra. Test drove that. Check Dude, the, amazing car. Check we the, can definitely talk about that one time. Yeah. So, yeah. just our opinions, perspectives. So, tonight the new Bronco Sport, and I think that's a very important clarification because the Bronco Sport was, in my opinion, very, very different than what I expected a Bronco to be so Mm. i dropped my f-150 off to the ford dealership for a recall and they gave me a new bronco so i was very excited was expecting sort of the the wrangler yeah like i got the snapchat right away you sent me the snapchat right away i was i was very excited honestly it's a big deal to any car person like oj got away in one we all need the new one right all right we need to know who's gonna escape the law in this new model and it was going to be me. I was going to debut of course, it. Of course. Well, yeah. did you? And you got the sport, so of course. Of course, I could outrun all the cops. So to put this in perspective for you guys, mm-hmm. I would compare this to a Jeep Compass, a Jeep Trailhawk, okay. a CRV. It sits lower than a CRV, but about the same size. If you've got friends that are over five foot tall, they're not going to fit in the back. Wow. Wait, the interior is the size of a CRV. Yes. It's, I kind of anticipated it to be a little small. beefier. It's very small. So very small. Another, I think, really good comparison is the Mini Countryman. If you're familiar with that, it's the four-door, yeah. Yeah. bigger Mini. Mm-hmm. And I'm very interested to see 
why Ford took this direction with it. Who are they trying to attack with this? Because they yeah. already make a Ford Edge, which is mm-hmm. pretty similar. They make the Ford Escort, which True. is pretty similar. True. So I'm curious to see who they're going to try and attack. And I'm curious to see who actually buys it. Because I think you've got your guys in Detroit yeah. who design things and market it and sell it to a certain demographic of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't always align to the actual people that buy it. So to get if in, I may, if I may jump in here for please. a quick second, because what the research I did, I saw that Ford took their engineers and they said, "Hey, essentially, without saying the name, they said essentially go look at Jeep Wranglers and tell me everything people don't like about them, and then we'll come back, we'll fix all those things, we'll sell them a better car." Now and and that's just what I did a little research on. That's what I read. Sure. Um. So I don't know. Do they have a? Are they trying to bite into a CRV market, or are they just trying to steal from Jeep? Like, what's you know what I mean? Yeah. Is this? Are they breaking down another American con- company, or are they trying to establish a new market? Uh, I guess. So this is what really blew my mind when I first uh-huh. started to realize what was going on. They are marketing the Bronco and the Bronco Sport very, very closely. That's okay. why I was so surprised when I first got in it. I thought the mm-hmm. Bronco and the Bronco Sport are basically the same thing. They are totally different. I think the pictures okay. and the marketing is very deceiving to try and get you to think that the Bronco Sport is basically the Bronco. Okay. So when you think about the Bronco, you think about a Jeep Wrangler. Those right. are still not out on the market. They're still taking orders for those. Those should be released sometime this year the bronco sport came out first which is also very confusing to me because in my mind the bronco is what we grew up thinking of what oj got away in right Right. that's a bronco that was the key to success for that car key to success the bronco sport is not that oh okay it's it's that smaller mini cooper countryman now the bronco is going to be that jeep wrangler so oh. this is what was so hard to wrap my mind around. They are very different vehicles. So the Bronco Sport is the lesser model of the Bronco? It's it's like it's like a CRV, man. It's like it, so, in between a CRV and an HRV. Okay, and they haven't even made the actual Bronco yet. They were like, hey, here's a quick tease. Honestly, why? Because here's the crappier version of the car. Exactly. And then formulate your opinions on the crappy version, and and we'll try to sell you the better one for more money, significantly more money. That makes absolutely no sense to me. And even these aren't super cheap. How much is how much is the Bronco Sport? I want to say it starts out around twenty eight. Okay. Okay. So that's yeah, that's not cheap. For what you got, I think that's a lot of money. So let's let's get into what you actually get with that. So it is okay. all-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. It was fun to drive. Okay. So now that we get the initial, this is not what I thought it was, out of the way. For the first four or five hours, I was a little disappointed. I was telling my friends that this isn't really all it's cracked up to be. I think Ford kind of screwed up. Okay. It had snowed here in Columbus. And so mm-hmm. the roads were all covered. I've got a gravel driveway that was completely covered. It's kind of a, it's kind of fun. It's a fun car to drive. Is it fun? But in what way is it fun? Is it fun like, oh man, like does it tease you like, oh, I could take this off road, get crazy? 
Is it just an enjoyable sporty drive? Expound on that, my man. Yeah, great question. So the two engines that come in it, I think will help. So the one that I had, had a little 1.5 liter EcoBoost engine. It was okay. pumping out 181 Herspers and 190 pound, pound feet of torque. Okay. So on paper, that's it's not essentially a, lot. a Honda Civic like engine. With had a lot coming right off the line okay. until about 40 oh, and then it kind of died. Okay. But for, I think normal people, it was fun. It was a fun okay. little car you can just throw around. Yeah. So it felt kind of like a bigger go-kart. And so I felt confident ripping it into corners that it wasn't going to flip. So I think that's the really cool part about the Bronco Sport very low to the ground, has a low center of gravity, so you can throw it around a lot more than you would be able to a real Bronco. If you threw a real Bronco around like that, it's it's probably going to feel very that. Mm-hmm. A lot of, lot of body roll. Body a lot roll. of body roll. That's a good word for it. Yeah. Um. So I'm just, okay. All right. So I'm just trying to wrap my hand because one of your notes says beware in all caps because I'm trying to wrap my head around this. This is not a Bronco. This is a tease of a Bronco that is essentially a CRV that they said, guess what? We're going to make a more, more sporty, more fun CRV. Don't, I just don't know why they'd badge it a Bronco then. Like that seems very counterintuitive. So my buddy has a Jeep Trailhawk. Okay. Which I think is sort of a compass, like a little yeah. more off-roady compass. I think yeah. that is their market. I think it is oh. for kind of hipster, outdoorsy people that aren't at that level where they can buy a Bronco. Because those so Broncos are about... 35 okay. at a very base level. So you're just talking about like rich college kids in, in Boulder, Colorado. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Because people like that, well, I well, see, I think that's that's the important distinction because I don't think it's rich kids that are buying these. I think it's going to be college graduates that are still in some debt. They want a mm. Bronco because they love the idea of a Bronco. They like the idea of all-wheel drive. This had yep. a few goat modes, um, sport, sand. Again, pretty basic. I would not take this off-road. I don't think it's got the clearance to go over. Right. A foot, foot and a half of snow. Uh-huh. So I think that Trailhawk is probably who it's really going to be competing directly against. Hmm. So huh. that's an interesting take by Ford. If you're interested in looking at one, definitely go to the dealership. Walk around it, sit in it, feel it before you get your hopes up because mm-hmm. that dashed, totally dashed my hopes of ever buying one of those. Uh, and when you said it was fun to drive, like you're, and you, and you mentioned all the different modes, yeah. but you're kind of specifically speaking about its ability to be a safe, fun car. Cause like really the all wheel drive in the snow, in the rocks, it's, it can manage anything. It's kind of peppy, but it's not a Bronco. That's, that's our summary. Yeah. I'd say that's the summary. Okay. Okay. So, like a bet, if a Ford Rav Four with a turbo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and I, I think that's the market. I really do. Uh-huh. And 
the interesting thing to think about here is Ford is now completely out of the car game. They make a Mustang oh. and that's it. And I looked on their website. You can still buy. You still buy a Fusion? A Fusion. That's it. Yes. Okay. You can buy a Fusion. But other than that, they don't sell any cars at all. So Ford really needs to look into diversifying their SUVs to try and get as much money out of that market segment as possible. Wow. So, and that's probably why the Bronco got reintroduced. Hmm. And well, why they're two it's variations. A interest, it. It's an interesting move by Ford. Uh, we'll look forward to seeing how it pans out. Yeah. So let's let's do this. Let's give it a scale. Let's give it the the just another car show one to ten. How's the baby looking? Looks great. I think looks okay. are eight and a half. They okay. did a really nice job with it. Just just give me car overall. Car overall, probably a seven. Oh. So they okay. did a good job with it. Yeah. It's just inter- it's an it's such a unique and interesting demographic. Mm. It just fits in such a niche market. You know, if I wanted to go off roading, I'd buy a truck or a, a uh a truck or a Wrangler or the real Bronco. If I didn't want one of those things, I would really probably just buy a RAV4 because why pay the extra? For something like that, or I'd and, already know, have gonna, bought a Mini Cooper. And and I mean, well, and if you buy a Rav Ford, it'll last two hundred thousand miles. If you buy a Ford, a new model Ford, you're going to be lucky to get to eighty and not have problems. I don't know if if have you seen uh, Scotty Kilmer on YouTube? I, I have not. Shout out Scotty Kilmer, awesome guy. He he's an old mm-hmm. mechanic who people just send mm-hmm. their their questions to and, and has a bunch of opinions on on American cars versus Japanese cars and the reliability of them. Right. There he did a video earlier this week. There are already rust issues with the 2021 F150s. Rust. These cars are on a brand new car. Months old. On a brand new car. On a brand new Ford F-150, which All the right. cheapest one that I've heard a guy buy, $51,000 for the XT. That was the cheapest? All right. All right. Before we bash Ford over the head to death. I bought one. I own one. I've got a 2019 <laughs> F-150. I'm a proud Ford owner. I was going to try to save you from that, man. No. Here, so here's here's... I think we can transition into the news and then we can at the end the topic we want to cover tonight is just the state of cars Mm. and so i think we can really sort of dig into this issue in our in our uh whatever you want in our day-to-day world in our present day world present day world can't wait for my parents to watch this and just be so disappointed that i'm drinking yeah this is all tequila with a splash of Lacroix. I mean, my mom's going to be proud I'm drinking Costco wine, so we'll go with it. Um, Love it. But transitioning into the news now, uh, we're talking about the Porsche GT3. Is that correct? The Porsche GT3. Ooh, Very exciting. Do you say Porsche or Porsche? What's the rules? It's Porsche. That's what I always thought, and then people told me otherwise. So that's what okay. I was raised on. Okay. Um, my dad has spent a lot of time around Porsches. I was always told mm-hmm. it's Porsche. Okay. But hey, you know what? At uh, at our organization, we don't discriminate. 
Tomatoes, tomatoes. Tomatoes, tomatoes. Just another Porsche. Just another Porsche. <laughs> Who's to say? Yeah, that's a different channel. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, get, give me the specs on this GT3. What are we talking about? Very exciting, and okay. and it's very exciting for more reasons than just the insanity of this car. So, Jason Casima from Haggerty's yep. released a video on YouTube. Said this is the most important Porsche of all, and we can get of into that all. in a second. We can get into Sorry. that in a second. Very exciting. Sure. Yeah. So. To raise the excitement even more. Yeah. It has the four liter, mm -hmm. which is not in a regular 911. Mm -hmm. Same one that was in the outgoing GT3, 502 horsepower. Hurst purse. Now, it's got the seven speed automatic. Okay. But you can get a six speed as an option. We're just going to say thank you really quickly to Porsche for not killing manuals and saving the driver's car by giving us the option to have a manual. Thank you, Porsche. Many blessings to you. Which we will continue to talk about in our long, open discussion at the end of this. <laughs> lovely, lovely. So, for a while there, Porsche did not do that. There were a couple years that they the came out with manual. just a flappy paddle gearbox right i remember this so i copied and pasted this so i got to make sure that i read this the right way so the here we go so regular 911 carrera mm -hmm. not the s just a base carrera has yep. a twin turbo three liter flat six okay 379 horsepower and 330 Pound feet of torque. You can get an S with 443 and then 390. Now, what's really interesting, those Carreras now have an eight speed automatic and a very mm. unique seven speed manual. Yeah, to have a seven speed manual, I'm pretty sure, is it Dodge that is the only other company that makes a seven speed manual? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know there was another company that did it. I well, thought. I thought Dodge did in one of the Hellcats, but I could be severely mistaken. It would make sense with seven hundred ninety-seven I mean, horsepower. I don't know how you could contain that in just six speeds. Exactly, and it's Dodge. They they don't care, bro. They don't play by rules. They just make it. They just make seven hundred ninety-seven horsepower V eight. Unbelievable. We can bring Dodge into the conversation later with the state of current cars. That's a good thing. Let's do that. Let's do that. So yeah. let's circle back. I know you're still all in suspense about why this is the most important Porsche of all time. Yes, 100%. So if you're familiar with the way that, that Porsche and a lot of European and maybe American car companies are designed, you have your production car company. Mm -hmm. right? They produce, for example, Porsche, the 911, the Cayman, the Boxster, and... Of course, your Panamera, Cayenne, your SUVs, sedans, mm -hmm. etc. Yep. Then also, totally separate from that is the racing division. Yeah. So over in Germany, they are the, uh, I believe it's the RS, which is Rennsport, which is racing mm -hmm. division. Never before has the RS division designed the front end of a car which I'm sure you could say a whole lot about this, how much different yeah. the front end is from the rear end. To change mm -hmm. a rear end, it's, it's 
not that much. You don't have to totally redesign everything. But to right. redesign the front end is completely different. It takes well, a lot of time. Especially now with all the government rules, all the government rules of, oh, the car has to be able to roll 74 times without folding the roof in. And so now every, all these cars have these huge quarter panels in the rear, and there's really not a lot you can do with the bumper because of all the like legal stimulation or stipulations that we have now in America. But you're right. You're right. The front end of a car. And that's why most back ends of cars all look pretty much the same now, honestly. But the front ends of cars you can do so much with. And, and the front end of cars, honestly, in my opinion, more important for, for racing factors like downforce, air intake, et cetera. So I'll let you continue on with that, but yeah, yeah. definitely. So more than just the way it looks, you have a lot of those suspension components that they've completely redesigned as well. Mm. So Jason's takeaways, and I hope I'm summing this up, Jason, because I know you're going to be listening. Definitely. Is that this is a huge step for Porsche as a company because historically for, for I think guys like me, guys like my dad, who really just love Porsches for taking them out on back roads, living here in Ohio, you've got Southeast Ohio, Kentucky, Tennessee, really tight, really short, turny, turny, curvy roads, mm -hmm. quick cars, fun, light. When you yeah. look at the new 911s, they weigh a ton. They have a lot more power, they are a lot more luxurious, they've got a lot more electronics in them, they're heavier, they're bigger, they're not the ultimate driving machine. Yeah, and e even Porsche, now, there's definitely marketing and sales aspects that are going into that because Porsche knows how to build driver's cars. We all know that. But the fact that they're going in and saying, it's a 911, which is their like pristine driver's car. The 911 yeah. is the, the apex of Porsche. But for them to do what they're doing is they're kind of, they're low-key turning it into a luxury sedan, which is the virus that has caught most German companies. Um, Very much so. so. So I'm 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 looking forward to what you're going to tell us about this GT3 that separates it from the from the 911 family now. Yeah. So it it's that front end. Mm -hmm. So obviously the engine's different, but it's that front end that's been totally redesigned from a suspension perspective to make it more of a driver's car than more of that traditional luxury car. So the so the so the aesthetic is the same, but they've changed the spent suspension have have they changed the frame at all? What they I don't believe so. Okay. But with that being said, Porsche has started to release models based off of this GT car. So you mm -hmm. have your 911, your, you have your Carrera, your Carrera S, and all of the subsequent models there. Over the last, I think, 10 years, probably five, they've come out with the... So in the 90s, they came out with the first GT3. They yeah. designed the GT3 just because they needed production models to race. Those are the rules mm. in, in a lot of these racing leagues. Right. Came out with the GT3, didn't think they were going to sell any, sold like hotcakes, sold them all out yeah. very quickly. People love those. Go through a few more models. They're still very, very closely aligned to the street cars. Okay. You get into the 991, which is I believe early 2010s mm -hmm. all the way up through the late 
2010s, and then you've got the newest models coming out now. Those have become that really luxurious model. And part of that is because of how much these cars cost, they need to have that in them, right? They need and, to have and, all that luxury said... because BMW, Mercedes are already including that and giving decent enough performance for the same price. But you said the 991 is that car? Yes, the 991 I believe is the newest. No, 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 the 992 is the newest. The 991 that, but that, right but that's that. the car that it is and to, just to differentiate it is not the 911. It is you feel that is the car that is becoming the luxury sedan that that Porsche is making. So, to clarify, the yeah. 991 992 those are model sub identifying numbers. So they're all 911s. Yeah. Okay. So you had the 993 back in the 90s. You had the 996, 997 in the early 2000s, 2010s. Mm-hmm. Now you've got the 991 and the 992. Okay. They're all 911s. They're all Carreras. They just fall under that umbrella. different model number. Okay. But it's still the same umbrella. It's still the same umbrella. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we're differentiating between the GT which are still 991, 992s, but they're just the GT models. So the GT3, the GT2, and they came out with a new one that's a GT3 Touring. So the GT3 Touring looks exactly like a regular 911. Okay. It's got a lot less weight. It's still got that big engine. It's got a beefed up suspension. You just don't look like a race car driver driving down Main Street in Columbus, Ohio. So Porsche is starting to put more weight in these really, really nice cars, these really nice driving cars, but still putting weight into their main production cars. So, I mean, what about it makes it the most important Porsche ever made? Yeah, so it's 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 that front redesign, which Porsche as a whole back up this shows us as consumers that Porsche as an organization is putting more weight into the organization that is the GT true sports car subsidiary within Porsche okay because historically they were just taking 911s ripping and replacing a few things engine maybe tuning it tweaking it and that was it okay. now this VP has a lot more time and money to redo this and to produce these for guys like us. Okay. So they've, instead of just tearing apart a 911, they've built a GT3. It is not what used to be a 911. They've built now a GT3. Which, and let's just be honest for a hot second before we transition into the open discussion about our open discussion portion of the show. But Porsche made all the moves that nobody wanted them to make that saved them as a company. For example, being the first respectable sports car manufacturer to build a SUV crossover vehicle. These Macans and what's the um, SUV one called? Yeah, so you've got the Cayenne and Cayenne, Cayenne and Macan. Cayenne is the SUV. Macan is like the crossover. Yep, dude. I even I spoke so much trash of that. I was like, "Yo, Porsche, what the hell are you doing, dude? This is ridiculous. You make sports cars." 
but that funded all their other projects. And now look who made other SUVs. Lamborghini. Ferrari's designing one. So shout out to McLaren for laughing in the face of the interviewer who told them or asked them if they would ever make an SUV. But it is an amazing way to keep the funding in your company. And shout out to Porsche for not losing their sports and heritage of racing vein while making these other cars. And good for them for making an original GT3. Like, that's an amazing thing to do. They've they've upped a 911. That's what they did. They said, hey, you want a 911 on steroids? We got you, baby. Here it is. Here, get, get some more Hurspurs. <laughs> All the Hurspurs in the barn. They just mm-hmm. crammed them right in there. They said, hey, these are the Hurspurs we got in the German barn. You want them, baby? We got them. In the entire <laughs> country. All mm. of them. All of it. So you, you do raise a, a really interesting point there because Porsche has been doing that for a long time because mm-hmm. the 911 has been on life support so many different times throughout the company company's history. Yeah. So they had to introduce the 924, which was mm-hmm. the rear-wheel drive transaxial front-engine sports car that they had. Yeah. That birthed Weird their entire air-cooled line that then led to what we have now is the Boxster and the Cayman. Yeah. It kept the 911 going. They thought they were going to have to discontinue the 911. Yep. Then they get to the Cayenne. Everybody in Hollywood bought them. All the rich people in America and I assume around the world bought them because people were already buying 911s because they were rich. Right. Most of those people didn't have any need for a 911, but they still wanted a Porsche. Right. In comes the Cayenne. Now we can drive an SUV and still have a Porsche. And at the time, before Lamborghini made one, it was bougie to be, oh, dude, I got a Porsche Cayenne. I'm, I spent $120,000 on an SUV or whatever the MSRP is. But yeah. it it was the flex. And now companies like Lamborghini is coming. Okay, there's another level of flex, but it's still the most popular one. Of the of the sports car lineup manufacturers, it is definitely the most popular one, and Porsche has done a good job of diversifying themselves and allowing themselves to sell different cars. One day we should talk about that new all electric Porsche. That is a Porsche I am excited about. It Very is fast. Sad. It is quick. It is sexy looking. Oh, this is a perfect transition into our open discussion for today. Our open discussion for today. Speaking of electricity, Albert Einstein. Or excuse me. Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> I'm sure Albert Einstein used a little bit of electricity too. But Benjamin Franklin out here with the park pitched us the question of what are cars now? We've got a lot of electron, excuse me, elect, electric cars out there. You think gas prices are still going up? So give me your statement and I'll tell you why you're wrong or something. <laughs> yeah. So so the umbrella, I mean, this could really this could really be a segment in and of its own that could last Mm. podcast upon podcast for generations when our great grandsons are continuing this podcast. Right. But what are cars now? Mm. So obviously started off the most affordable, the first affordable car was a Model T built by Ford. That looked nothing like a car that we know it today, right? Didn't really have a gas pedal. Even that was like 200 years ago. Yeah. 1800s, is that right? Someone uh, fact check that. Beginning of the 1900s. Beginning of the 1900s. Yeah. Okay. So 100 years ago. Right. So right. it in in cars short, relatively short 
time on this earth. They have, they have really transformed. So once mm. they got out of that very early stage where they weren't very user-friendly, they sort right. of stayed the same for a very long time. Yeah. yeah. Right? Engines kind of stayed the same. We, we tried a, different, a few different ones from, from the Mazda rotary engines, diesel engines. We, we really stuck with, with the same internal combustion V or straight gasoline engines. Most Even of it was still by wires. Oh, we'll no, no, no. I apologize. We got all these four-cylinder straights now. A lot of four-cylinder straights now. We've really started to see a revolution, I think, in the last 20 years of this evolution of cars. So when we were growing up, one of the big first controversies was electronic steering. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Porsche implemented it. I think all the people like me went nuts. Right? Oh my gosh! How could you do this? This this is never going to be as good. It's going to be worse. It's going to it doesn't handle as well. Right. Porsche and BMW. It took them a few years, but now the electronic steering is probably better. Yeah. We've got throttle by sensor in my F one fifty, so that it there's no actual wire. There's just yeah. a sensor that's that detects how far I push the pedal. Yeah. So what? What really are cars? What's the future of mm. cars? Are they still going to be fun to drive? I mean, you look at a lot of these cars, they're not really fun to drive. They're just like a Toyota Prius. They get you to point A to point B. Well, and I think, um, wow, this is just a great conversation piece. So by the way. deep. But I, I really, because uh, I, I have those, uh, I guess, tiffs, you could say, with power steering and, and these new like electronic pedals, all these crazy, it's essentially just technology being implemented into cars, but are cars ready for that technology? Because if I'm being honest, I love electronic power steering, but I only love it in specific aspects. If I'm trying to enjoy a driving experience, I do not want that. But on my daily commute to work, 40 minutes one way and back, hell yeah i would like electronic power steering so i think cars are becoming comfortable but i don't think that necessarily makes them better cars because what a car is is an experience an enjoyment a connection to a human being these are modes of transportation now these are like i just bought a daily driver it has cruise control it has heated tushy seats lord knows why i need those i live in the swamp i live in florida but it's like we are just trying to comfort the consumer as all other industries have. And I think if I if I move into where you're going with this with the electric motors and electric cars and everything, yep. which which was obviously all Tesla, because everybody tried to implement hybrid, nobody loved it. Besides a few like super blue people who wanted a Prius, which is fine. I appreciate them for driving a Prius, but like I hate driving a Prius, bro. It's like playing a bad video game. And go ahead, go ahead. No, so so I think that's really the core of it, and that's what's so interesting. And, and we could take it in so many different directions. Something that, yeah. that you mentioned that made me think of this, which I didn't think we were going to talk about. But so it might be about economics, I think it is. People can't necessarily afford two or three or four cars anymore. And so they're right. trying to make that one car 
every car. Dude, dude, that was an amazing point. And you proved your point, or Toyota proved your point for you by with, with the new Supra. It's it's an amazing sports car that has every aspect of luxury you could want. And and that's I guess oh man, I hate to say this, but I guess that's the new version of a sports car where you have to include luxury. Yes, and it's it's mind-boggling. And mm-hmm. and this is this is the big influx if you will. Mm-hmm. So when you look at old Porsches, and this right. is, I, I keep using Porsches because when I was a kid, I was such a fan. You're a fanboy. We know I, you're I a fanboy. Cool. So I'm, I'm sure that this, I've seen pictures of old Corvettes, old cars in general, very right. bare, right? You had your instrument cluster, you had a, a button for the radio, and then maybe a couple knobs for your air conditioner and, and heater. If you had AC <laughs> back in the day. That stayed that way in Porsches up until the 90s, even the early 2000s, mm. 911s, yeah. very, very bare. Okay. You had a lot of that luxury in other cars at the time. Yeah. Porsche had to get away from that and include everything else because their cars are so expensive. Yeah. If you bought a Mercedes, it would have all that and it would still handle pretty well. Right. So Porsche couldn't just give you a clock an air conditioner and a radio. They had to give you sat nav. They could. They had to give you heated seats. They had to give you cooled seats. They had to give you yeah. everything else that these luxury cars have to stay competitive and still be a sports car. And and I think that that is. I think this this goes back to what you were saying. This is consumerism. This is capitalism. This is push the boundaries because that's what's happened. People used to sit back and say, yo, dude, I appreciate the fact that a Porsche 911 is just an amazing car. But now, a Porsche 911, like you said, their their competitive price range includes what? Like a like a top-of-the-line M4 or something that has all the bells and whistles and still is fun on a track. Yeah, I, I think and, Mercedes is a perfect example. Okay, okay. In, in my mind... Which is, I think, another interesting topic that we should talk about at some point. Preconceived notions of cars. Yeah. Sort of biases that you have. So yeah. for me, I grew up thinking that Mercedes was just a luxury car. Right. But growing up with Top Gear, you start to learn that, holy crap, Mercedes is just like BMW. Yeah. Very, very competitive same. on the track. A great racing heritage. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where I was going with that, but it was a point. It was a point <laughs> well, nonetheless. I'll, I'll, I'll I had. keep pushing the envelope because we got about three or four more minutes here. But I think the 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 final notch of of where cars are going now is this whole electric phase. And I yes. know that guys like you and I who love the sound of an engine, love burning gasoline, stuff that is not great for the environment, but like a lot of other things aren't as well. And this is one thing that brings happiness to a lot of people. Yeah. And I think, and I, I've invested in quite a few electric car companies, Neo, Nikola, Lucid Motors, Tesla, and they're making things that will make motors extinct. And I hate to say that, but if you've looked at Lucid's new car, it's a company, actually a friend of mine moved to uh, Silicon Valley several years ago to help them design their steering columns. Um, it's a thousand horsepower 
like 500 or something mile range car and it's it has everything anybody would want and most people only care about how fast their car is drivers care about how quick their car is how nice it is in a corner that's why your boy bought a miata but hey but a lot of people just want to brag about going in a straight line yep and now electric cars go in a straight line faster than you can freaking <laughs> Find a prom date in sixth grade. I don't know. Bad analogy. <laughs> Man, that's pretty slow. Then I uh, it took me. Yeah, really, me a while. really, really slow. Yeah, but Shout uh, out. what Shout I'm trying out to say Payne. is the zero to sixty number is the number they keep flexing. Hey, that's it. but but in America, that's what sells. Mm-hmm. You've got your mm-hmm. Mustangs. You've got your this Chevy. Uh, ZL1 Camaro. Yes, Camaro. Thank you. ZL1. Yep. Those go very fast in a straight line. Yeah. And what's cool is the less complex these electric cars are, the yeah. more time and energy that these companies can focus on suspension. They can focus on yes. handling. The speed is already there. How else can you improve this car? Right. And to bring it back to your point, the, the other nice thing about electric cars is they're center of mass is so low because it's just a bunch of batteries sitting in the bottom of the middle of the car. So the handling is probably not bad if you can get over the weight problem. Yep. But, and 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 like you were saying with suspension, I'm pretty sure Porsche just developed a braking system bringing Porsche back that you never have to replace the discs on because they just charge batteries and the discs don't degrade over time. Which is an amazing feat, let's just be honest, because for a hundred and something years, brakes have been the same way. Yes. They just pulled it out of nowhere, and no one's talking about it. I don't, it's hard to find information on it. I, I'm like kind of sure it happened, you know? So I, I think I'll make a final statement. You make a final statement yeah, about no. the evolution of cars here. I think, I think what you said is, is one of the truest things I've heard. I think it's defined by consumerism. I think it's defined by the product. I think that is what is the virus that will kill the driver's car. Now, thankfully, we do have companies like Mazda still making little Miatas. You do have companies like Toyota still trying to make a Supra. But they're not the same car. They have to include the bells and whistles. And in my opinion, my honest, humble, just another car show opinion... <laughs> The bells and whistles remove you from the driving experience. Dude, I can't drive my Miata and get a Bluetooth phone call. (laughs) That doesn't even work. Like, and that is, those are the things that take you out of your driver's experience. So that's, that's, that's my thought. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do you, what do you think of Park? So I, to follow up on that, I could not agree more. So you guys will get to learn over our podcast. I'm a huge motorcycle guy. And, and part Mm. of the reason I love the motorcycle, it Mm. forces me to disconnect. Okay. For the longest time, I never even had a phone clip. So my phone would go in my pocket or in a backpack. So yeah. I could not be distracted by it. And of course, a Harley doesn't have anything else except cruise control. That's the only right. electronic and a speed gate. I mean, that's the only thing that can distract you. Yep. So in, in sort of my closing statement, probably the only progressive thing I will ever say in my entire life. But for the <laughs> longest time... I was opposed to the change. I was opposed to electronic steering. I didn't Mm. like the new gearboxes that were coming out because it disconnected the driver from the experience. Right. Companies like Porsche, I assume Mazda, 
Mm -hmm. they still care about a small segment of their customer that loves to drive. Right. And this technology, my hope is it will continue to expand. It will continue to grow. Mm. It will continue to mature. Mm -hmm. And it will provide still a pretty good driving experience. Now, it, it won't be the 80s really mechanical feel, right. but I think it'll still be pretty good. And when you feel nostalgic, one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard about cars, Jeremy Clarkson gave at the beginning of Forza. I think Forza yep. 4. Yeah, I've heard this. Yep. And, it's on and the it's, video game. It's on the intro. It's yes. amazing, bro. I almost cried. I, I think there are going to be people like us that still feel that way. And my hope is that we can really be open-minded about the future of cars. We can still hold on to our Miatas, our 944s, our Boxsters, our mm -hmm. truly old mechanical driver's cars. Yeah. But I think this electronic-driven battery powered generation that we're going to enter into is still going to be a ton of fun and give us a lot of opportunities to enjoy our time behind the wheel. Dude, I, I like your positive outlook on that. And with that positive outlook, because there's a lot of positive things happening with these electric cars. There's a lot of positivity and some negative things. Hey, we'll get into that another time. How electricity we just want to say thank you. If you made it this far on the first, just another car show podcast ever many blessings to you and yours. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, comment, like, let us know what you think. If you hated the podcast, thumbs down, comment, let us know what can we Seriously. do better next time. You know, maybe, we, maybe, uh, Lord knows. I don't know what we'll talk about next time, but thank you so much for watching. Thank you, Park, for being here. Everybody have a great night. Thank you so much. Woo! <laughs> that was fun, bro.